You're listening to a sermon podcast from Agape Baptist Church, recorded live from our Sunday service. Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life that was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus. Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. A very good morning, everyone, to those below in the worship hall and to those of you at home. The Lord bless you. Now, if you're here for the first time, a warm welcome to you as well. Uh, if you'd like to get connected with us, do scan uh, the QR code below and at the same time uh, also get to uh, you know, receive a free book of your choice. Now before I begin, I want to give you guys some direction on where the pulpit will be taking us for the next half of the year. Well from now till December, uh, the focus will be on building relationships deep and wide as a church. The next two sermon series you'll be hearing uh, will be from 1 John, which I'm starting today, and from the Song of Songs, which will begin uh, next month, and Pastor Guna will be leading us in that. Now, these two series will focus on deepening relationships within the church, especially in light of how community life has changed in this new normal. Following that, we'll be looking at how to go wide as a church with sermons on faith and work, justice and mercy, and missions. Now, I just want to share this with you to you know, give you a sense of where we are heading in the months to come. Well, today, uh, we begin a new series looking at, looking at Christian fellowship. Now, fellowship is, uh, is quite a buzzword in Christian circles, right? From prayer fellowships to board game fellowships, uh, from food fellowships to football fellowships. Uh, you know, some are more spiritual, some are less so. Uh, but in any case, if you've been in a church long enough, uh, the concept and the idea of fellowship uh, would be quite familiar to you. Still though, if we were to look closely at our Christian fellowship, many times it may not feel quite any different from what people outside the church are experiencing in their own gatherings and in their interest groups. So what makes Christian fellowship so unique, you know, so special, so distinct from the kinds of fellowship that we would see outside the church? Well, this is what we want to find out as we look at the different passages from 1 John. Now, if you're a Christian, my hope is that you will grow in your love for this precious community we call the church. If you're not a Christian, my hope is that you will catch what is so special about Christian fellowship and perhaps you might come closer to making this community your own. Now, here's what you need to know about 1 John. All right, 1 John is a letter. It's a letter written by a man named John. And it was written to a group of churches. These churches were very likely planted by John himself. Now, for those of you who may not be aware, John was one of the earliest followers of Jesus Christ. And he was also one of the closest followers of Jesus. Now, the churches that John was writing to 
had faced a big problem, right? False teachers had come into the church and spread their false teachings and then had left. Now to us, you know, maybe we think false teachers only create theological and doctrinal problems through their false teaching. But what we don't realize is that false teachers also bring division into church communities and a breakdown in fellowship. In Matthew 7 verse 15, uh, Jesus says this, Beware of false prophets, false prophets, false teachers, same thing, uh, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Now, how false uh, teachers work is that they build relations first, uh, relationships first before uh, they promote their teachings. You know, they eat with you, their kids play with your kids, uh, you know, they, they pray with you, they counsel you, they show care for you as you go through uh, your difficulties in life. Then along the way, they begin uh, questioning and seeding doubt. Brother, you know, wh what do you think about today's sermon? What do you think? Uh, why do you think, you know, why do you hold to this or that belief? And how do you know that these things are true? Right, and from there, they begin sharing their own perspectives. They are passionate, captivating, charismatic, and through this process, they gain influence in the church. Now, when they are finally exposed for the false teachers that they are, and then when they are removed and expelled from the church, what's left behind is a trail of broken trust, broken lives, broken hopes in the church. There's blaming and suspicion. There's resentment and distrust. What was once a loving community is now full of bitterness and division. And so as John writes this letter, he's not just trying to correct their thinking and their theology, right? He's not just telling them, this is the truth, this is what you need to believe, uh, this is what you need to get right, right? He, he's going more than that. He's also correcting the community itself, and he's saying, guys, let's heal, let's rebuild, let's revive our fellowship once more. And in the same way, we too must receive 1 John with a heart that says, let's build up our community in Agape again. Let's revive our fellowship together once more. Today, we're going to be looking at the first four verses of 1 John chapter 1. And we want to look at uh, four back-to-basics truths about Christian fellowship. All right? And uh, the four uh, truths are, number one, Christian fellowship is founded on earth. Number two, Christian fellowship is mirrored from heaven. Number three, Christian fellowship is triangular. And finally, number four, Christian fellowship is not the end. So let's begin with the first truth. Christian fellowship is founded on earth. Now, if you were on, uh, in my shoes this morning, you know, you're standing here and you were addressing the church about, you know, growing in Christian fellowship. Now, what would you say? Right? What would you focus on? Uh, would you focus on theology? Would you be telling people, you know, you need to be more committed to gospel centrality. Stop wasting time on strange and controversial doctrines, right? Get your thoughts together, guys. Or would you focus on spirituality? Guys, we need to pray, right? A church that prays together stays together, right? There's a Day of His Power prayer event this Friday. Be there, invite people, right? You need to pray. Would you focus on interpersonal relationships, right? A call, people, we need to be sensitive, Right? We need to you know, build our relationships beyond just your circles, beyond just the cell groups. Would you be focusing on perhaps the practical? 
Let's change the color of the curtains so that you know this, the, the place feels warmer. Right? There's, a, there's a sense of intimacy. Let, let's start the service at a later timing so that we can spend the mornings together doing activities. Now, whatever our perspective is and whatever our focus might be, the reality is that we tend to focus on the externals. When we think about improving our community life, we gravitate towards fixing behavioral issues. But John takes a very different approach. Now read these words. That which was from the beginning. Let me just stop here. That which was from the beginning. Now John is going back to the beginning, right? John is not happy just to, to cover over the external behavioral cracks in our Christian fellowship. John is calling us to take a step back and to re-examine the foundation of our Christian fellowship. And so this is what he says, that which uh, was heard from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Now, what is this thing that was from the beginning? What is this foundational matter when it comes to our Christian fellowship? And what is this word of life? Well, John says it's something that he had heard, something he had seen, something he had observed, something he had touched. So clearly, it's not something abstract. It's not something spiritual. It's not something conceptual. It's something tangible, something fleshly, right? Something that John had experienced here on the earth. But what is this thing? Let me give you a clue. You see, John loves going back to the foundations. You know, John is that kind of pastor whom, you, you know, you, when you have an issue, you, you probably go to them and you, you ask them, what should I do? And then this pastor comes and says to you, well, tell me about your walk with God. Tell me about the idols of your heart. Tell me about your hopes and your dreams. And you are frustrated because you're like, I don't have time for this. Just tell me what to do. Now, John is that kind of a pastor, right? He loves looking back into the beginnings of things. So similarly, when John wrote the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, what we saw at the call to worship earlier, he also started with the beginning. This is from John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Him, this verse 4, was life. Now, this passage that we see from the Gospel of John uh, is describing Jesus. It's talking about Jesus' identity right before the beginning of all things. And in the same way, when John talks, uh, talks about, you know, mentions the word of life uh, in, in, in his letter, in 1 John, he's also talking about Jesus. But here's the thing. John is not talking about Jesus in the exact same way in these two passages. Right In the Gospel of John, John celebrates Jesus as the spiritual word who was with God in the heavens. But in 1 John, in our passage today, John exalts Jesus as the word become flesh uh, who dwelt among us on the earth. Right? So don't miss this. Jesus coming in the flesh is super important to John. Right, if you look at the next two verses, uh, you will see that John repeats multiple times how he has seen and heard Jesus. So you see, to John, the foundation of Christian fellowship, the beginning of Christian fellowship, is earthly fellowship with Jesus. John had literally lived with Jesus. He had spoken with Jesus. He had listened to Jesus' words. He had touched Jesus. 
And John had even witnessed Jesus dying on the cross with his own eyes. Jesus resurrected to life again. Jesus ascending into the heavens. John had enjoyed fellowship with Jesus in the flesh. And to John, that earthly fellowship with Jesus was the beginning of Christian fellowship. What does this mean for us? You know, we don't have Jesus here in the flesh, at least not yet. But the thing is, even though Jesus is not here with us in the flesh, our fellowship with Him here on the earth still continues. Now, people, are you experiencing fellowship with Jesus? Is your Bible, is, sorry, is your Bible reading about storing up more knowledge or is it about hearing from your Redeemer? Is your prayer life just about self-discipline and self-comfort? Or is it about seeing your Lord work in your life? Is your quiet time just about performing a religious duty? Or is it about being touched by the lover of your soul? People, are you experiencing fellowship with Jesus? About three weeks ago, the elders were having our weekly meeting. And after talking about various matters, uh, we were taking turns to just share our prayer needs. And when it came to my turn, I told the other elders, guys, would you pray that I would prioritize this alone time with God each day? Now, I mean, I've been, I've been having family worship with my wife almost every day of the week. But as I've been looking at 1 John to prepare for this sermon series, you know, 1 John has been looking at me, preparing me to grow in true Christian fellowship. And I see this great need to experience that fellowship with Jesus. And that's what I want to encourage you towards uh, as well. You know, many times we have this tendency to get frustrated at the community around us. You know, we, we become critical. We begin focusing on the millions of things that need to change in our church community. And at such times, it is especially important that we pause and ask ourselves, hey, how is my fellowship with Jesus doing? How is my fellowship with Jesus doing? So the beginning of our Christian fellowship is earthly fellowship with Jesus. We come now to the second truth. Christian fellowship is mirrored from heaven. Christian fellowship is mirrored from heaven. Well, let's look at verse 2. The life was made manifest. Let me just pause here. Now, to make something manifest means to make something visible, to make something tangible, to make something that we can experience with our senses and to testify to its realness. So once again, John gives attention to experiencing fellowship with Jesus. But there's more. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Now, when Jesus talks about the eternal life, he's talking, sorry, when John talks about eternal, I think I'm going to be mixing up John and Jesus quite a few times. Please excuse me when I do, yeah? When John talks about the eternal life, he's talking about Jesus. But here, John is reminding us that before Jesus was experienced on earth through earthly fellowship, Jesus had actually enjoyed heavenly fellowship with God the Father. And this heavenly fellowship, it existed first. Then came our earthly fellowship with Him. And so the, the heavenly fellowship is actually the standard 
right? The ideal that our Christian fellowship needs to mirror. Now, you see, we are often tempted to compare our Christian fellowship with other sources of fellowship, right? So, for example, when I was in university, I was part of a Christian fellowship on campus. And while I was there, I enjoyed extraordinary fellowship with those other Christians on campus. But whenever I came back to church and the Christian community here, you know, it was in comparison. Right? Uh, you know, the conversations were dry in comparison. The connections were shallow. Uh, in comparison, Christian fellowship in church felt so soul-sapping. And I wondered, how come fellowship in church is until like that? How come can be until so lousy one? Now, I wouldn't be surprised if many of you have felt that way as you compared your church community with your communities at school, at work, and so on. But here's the thing. When I was in university, all those Christians on campus that I was having fellowship with, you know, we were the same age. We were at the same stage of life. We faced the same challenges as Christians on campus. We had the same struggles, making sense of God's purpose for our lives, who to get into a relationship with, uh, what job to get, and things like that. But in comparison, the people in our church, they are from different ages, right? At different stages of life, facing, facing different challenges in the, faith, in the faith, having different desires, different hopes. So is it any wonder that my experience of fellowship in church couldn't match up to my experience of it on campus? But this is the point I'm trying to make. You see, I was comparing my Christian fellowship in church with the wrong thing. Right? It was the wrong thing. I should have been comparing my earthly Christian fellowship in church with the heavenly fellowship that Jesus, the eternal word, had enjoyed with the Father. Now, how would we describe uh, that heavenly relationship? Oh, that's really hard. But one thing we can know for sure is that there was such a closeness. Right? Jesus, even while he was on earth, uh, on earth, he said this, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. What a picture of intimacy. But here's the thing. Even though this heavenly fellowship was so divine, so wonderful, so intimate, yet both the Father and the Son chose to interrupt it. Right? They chose to interrupt it. This is what John says in verse 2. The eternal life which was with the Father. That heavenly fellowship was interrupted. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Right? He gave. And imagine how painful and how huge that loss was for the Father. You know, many of us know that the best friendships, the best relationships, the best marriages are more precious than wealth and luxury. Right? We would never want to lose, we would never trade those relationships for anything in the world. But the Father gave His Son, and Jesus, of His own will, chose to come to the earth to lay down His life, and this heavenly fellowship was interrupted. But through this interruption, we learn something about the nature of the heavenly fellowship. You see, the nature of the heavenly fellowship between Jesus, the eternal Word, and the Father was at its heart a giving fellowship. It was a giving fellowship. And the heavenly fellowship was by nature so giving that the Father and the Son gave up that very fellowship so that we could be included. 
And John, John was among the first few people to experience that fellowship. People, our earthly Christian fellowship must mirror the giving nature of the heavenly one. You know, when you look at Christian fellowship, do you look at it through the lens of giving or through the lens of getting and self-gain? Right? Have you been seeking to mirror that life and that giving nature of the heavenly fellowship? I think these are questions worth thinking about. Now we move on to the third truth. Christian fellowship is triangular. So far we have looked at the first two verses and these two verses actually set the stage for verse 3. Here John says, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So John had experienced the earthly fellowship uh, with Jesus. We saw that in the first uh, truth. John now, we see, John by proclaiming the gospel, he actually mirrors the heavenly fellowship. Just as God gave His only Son to the world, John was now offering Jesus to those he was writing to. And John's, John's desire for these people he was writing to was so that they would experience fellowship with him and through that, that fellowship with him to experience fellowship with God the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. You see, John understood something about Christian fellowship. Christian fellowship is triangular. It includes me, it includes you, and it includes Christ. The fellowship between all three are interconnected. The fellowship... Each fellowship, rather, impacts the other two. Now, to understand this better, let me expose three myths about Christian fellowship. Three myths about Christian fellowship. Number one, Christian fellowship is just me and Christ, right? Just me and Christ. Now, personal experience of Christ is so, so important, right? Our faith in Christ is not just that one day we're going to see Him, one day we're going to hear Him, one day we're going to sense Him. No, our, our faith in Christ is that we can now know, intimately know, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom He has sent. But we can take personal experience with Jesus Christ too far when we say, I don't need anybody else. Right? I just need my time with Jesus. That's all that is. Because true fellowship with Christ is giving by nature. Right, is giving. And so our personal experiences with Christ must lead us to deeper fellowship with other Christians. Now to the second myth. Christian fellowship is just me and you. And I think many times, you know, our Christian fellowship does feel like that, right? Uh, this idea and this mistaken view of Christian fellowship, it, it comes so naturally to us, right? When we think about improving fellowship in church, we think naturally at a very horizontal level. Right? This is where the, the variety of creative fellowships over food and football and, and all such things, they, they come into play. Right? And again, I want to stress that our horizontal relationships are very important. Uh, in Agape, you know, before COVID struck, we used to have this wonderful, marvelous thing called the buzz and bond uh, after each Sunday and after each service on Sunday. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. But if that's all there is to it, then our fellowship is just like any other fellowship on earth. 
But hear what Hebrews 10 requires of us. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. You see, our fellowship with one another is not just about having a good time. It's not just about refilling, you know, refueling our, our uh, relational tanks. It's not even about maintaining good mental health, right? Our horizontal fellowship, it has to drive us towards a deeper vertical relationship and fellowship with Christ. That's the second myth. Now I come to the third and final one. You and Christ is of no concern to me. You and Christ is of no concern to me. Now, we are sinful people, all right? We struggle terribly in drawing near to God. And, you know, you might belong to a cell group where uh, perhaps for the past three years or so, you know, you've been, you've been hearing the same cell member stuck in the same place, stuck in the same struggle in his or her walk with God. No change. And every time the cell asks this person about uh, his or her walk with God, that poor sinner feels so condemned. And then the rest of the, of the cell, you know, the rest of the people in the cell group, they also feel so guilty for asking the same question about that person's walk with God. And so in the end, the cell group quietly decides that we won't ask this kind of question again, right? Because, you know, it, it just makes everyone uncomfortable and it's also clearly not very helpful as well. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's you do you, right? So the cell group now focuses on improving uh, fellowship between cell members at the at the horizontal level and our individual fellowship with Jesus oh it becomes a private matter a personal matter right it doesn't concern me anymore but you see this totally cripples our Christian fellowship 1 Corinthians 14 26 says when you come together each of you each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction a revelation a tongue or an interpretation, so that the church may be built up. Now what this means is that whenever Christians gather, they come ready to contribute. They come ready to give. And this is not just about giving your money, your time, your talents. There's a place for that. But it's about coming into that gathering, bringing something from your fellowship with Christ. Bringing something from your fellowship with Christ. About 10 to 15 years ago, uh, I was serving as a very young youth leader in the raised ministry then. Every month, we would have a leaders meeting. And most of us, uh, you know, most of us who were serving as leaders, we were still in school. And so we would come from school, straight from school, to attend these meetings. Uh, and ahead of time, uh, the, the, the head of the youth ministry then would send the agenda, which is like a, a list of discussion items for a meeting. But things that I was not particularly a responsible and organized boy at that time. And so what I would do was, uh, on the day itself, the day of the meeting, uh, I would leave school earlier and I would go to one of the toilet uh, cubicles at United Square. Uh, they were really, really clean at that time. I'm not sure how they're doing nowadays. And I would shut the door and with the little privacy that I had, I would pray. I would pray for my heart. I would pray for the meeting. And sometimes there were these agenda items that were particularly tricky and really important. And I would pray and ask that God would give me direction, that He would give me a word, that He would speak through me. 
many times uh, a passage would come to my mind and I would look it up and at the appropriate time I would share these passages uh, at our meetings in the evening. And what, what I found was that these passages, they often brought perspective, right? They helped bring God back into the picture and they added value to our meetings. Now, this is not me talking about my talent, all right? It's not about talent. It's not about ability. This is about the triangular nature of Christian fellowship. It's not just me and you. It's not just me and Christ and you and Christ, right? It's about you and me experiencing Christ together. Another story just this week at our pastoral staff meeting. One of our pastoral staff had a really bad pain in her head, much worse than the normal headache, right? So two of our pastoral staff, we prayed for her, right? We brought Christ into that situation. And then we continued with the meeting. Suddenly, she, she interrupts the meeting and she says, guys, you know what? The pain has suddenly disappeared. Praise God. Hallelujah. I mean, this is another instance of how Christian fellowship is triangular, right? Christian fellowship is about experiencing Christ together. That's what it's about. So people, do you see Christian fellowship as triangular, right? Which myth do you hold on to, right? Which myth do you lean towards? And do you have that desire to experience Christ together? We come now to the final back-to-basics truth on Christian fellowship. Christian fellowship is not the end. So in the past three verses, John has been pushing hard for true Christian fellowship, a Christian fellowship that begins with earthly fellowship with Jesus, a Christian fellowship that mirrors the giving nature of the heavenly fellowship, a Christian fellowship that is triangular. But now in verse 4, John reveals why he has been pushing so hard for such a standard of Christian fellowship. He says, And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Now, when John says our joy, he's referring to himself and to the, the, the community that he belonged to who had also, like him, seen, touched, heard, and witnessed Jesus during Jesus' ministry here on the earth. So John is saying, be a true Christian fellowship, not just for your sake, but for mine. Do it not just for your happiness, but for mine. Right? You see, Christian fellowship is built upon selfless giving. God gave His Son. John also proclaims Jesus. He extends the hand of fellowship. And now verse 4 is actually a call to action for us. You see, you can't truly be in Christian fellowship if your mind is set firstly and firmly on completing your own joy. It just cannot work, right? Christian fellowship only works if we all come hungry to give, hungry to bless, hungry to see the joy of others being made complete. Now, people, the goal of Christian fellowship is completing the joy of another. The goal of Christian fellowship is completing the joy of another. Now, when I talk about completing the joy of others, I'm not talking about being a people pleaser, all right? I'm not talking about striving to meet people's expectations of you. I'm not talking about trying your best not to offend anyone 
or to keep, you know, a very shallow, superficial kind of peace. I'm talking about joy, all right? Joy is not just doing all your chores so that your mom doesn't nag at you, right? Joy is when you prepare breakfast for your mom and it's neither Mother's Day nor her birthday, all right? What your mother is going to experience is joy. Psalm 16 says, in God's presence, there is fullness of joy. When you think joy, think the presence of God. Think, think heavenly pleasures. That's the standard of joy. And when we are in Christian fellowship, that's what we're pursuing, not just for ourselves, but for those we are in fellowship with, our brothers and our sisters in Christ. This past year has been particularly strange for me. Uh, I had to postpone my wedding and then I had to scale it all the way down uh, to a COVID wedding. But through that season, there were so many of you who nevertheless sought to make my joy complete. From walking with uh, my then fiancé and me through our disappointment, to translating the wedding sermon into Hokkien, uh, to getting my stubborn hair into place on the morning itself. I mean, all kinds of agapians stepped into all kinds of roles, big and small, on-site and off-site, in practical ways and in prayerful ways. And on the day itself, my joy was made complete. Then about six months later, my father-in-law suddenly passed away. My wife and I were in shock. Everything, you know, had taken, the, taken place the night before, but we only found out in the morning. And we had just a short moment to grieve before all the busyness kicked in. Soon it was the afternoon and we were once again busy setting up for the wake. The room was small, spaces were limited due to COVID. Some relatives had joined us and they were helping us out. But everyone was whispering, right? There was this stifling sense of weight about the room. It felt like no one dared to speak loudly or no one dared to be too emotional and things like that. My father-in-law was not a believer. Crystal and I had, had hopes at that time that he was slowly coming to faith. And this added to our shock. And uh, on the day itself, Crystal and I were the only Christians for the most part. Uh, relatives would come to us and they kept repeating to us, you know, Papa didn't suffer, right? He, Papa passed away peacefully. That's what's important. But to Crystal and me, while that was nice to know, that was not what was most important. We were, in our hearts, we were asking, where was Papa now? Right? Where, where, what was his spirit going through right then? And that was an aspect of our grief that no one else in the family could understand. Then visiting hours began. Some relatives came in first. And then came the first non-family visitors. Through the door came Pastor Guoliang, Shirley, his wife, and Jessica, and I think Doreen came so shortly after. A relative led them to a table. Krista and I were, you know, we were busy arranging tables, preparing drinks, stuff like that. But we looked up when we realized that folks from Agape were here. Right? And then I saw something which I don't think I'll ever forget. As Crystal and I looked up, the three of them, they saw us as well. And tears began welling up in their, in their eyes. And immediately, Crystal just put down whatever was in her hands and she just flew. I mean, I've never seen Crystal move so fast. She, she just flew into Jessica's arms. And in her arms, my wife sobbed her heart out. 
And the three Agapians, they came around her, they embraced her, and they wept with her. You see, I, for me, I mean, I felt like these three Agapians, they understood. They not only understood the shock of suddenly losing a loved one, they understood the horrors of hellfire. And they understood how desperately Crystal and I were clinging to the mercy of God. Now the whole room was stunned, right? Everything stopped, every head was turned, everyone was looking at Crystal and her church friends, all of them weeping without restraint. And from where I was, tears were flowing down my cheeks as well. And suddenly the atmosphere in this small room changed. The stifling heaviness was lifted. People were no longer speaking in whispers. A rest and a peace and a sense of life filled the room. And my heart, I mean, my heart felt so glad. John 13, 35 came to mind. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples through your love for one another. And I felt so proud. I want to tell everyone in the room, hey, hey, this is what the body of Christ looks like. Right? This is what Christian fellowship looks like. And even in the time of profound grief, my joy was made complete. People, I want you to know that Christian fellowship is real. Covenant community is real. Having a spiritual family is real. I mean, it begins with an individual experience of Christ, but it leads to shared experiences of Christ and ultimately, it ends in one another's joy being made complete. This beautiful fellowship, this beautiful Christian fellowship, is what God purchased for us by selflessly giving His Son because He loves us so, so much. Would you join your heart with mine and let's pray together. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast. You can find more of our sermons online on our website at www.agape.org.sg.